Greetings, y'all. Happy New Year. Happy Friday, then, when you're listening to this. You're listening to Life Through a Distorted Lens. This is Lindsay, your host. I am thrilled you're here. I am so excited to come to this space and bring you guys my thoughts on life in general. And as you guys know, I've been covering the transgender movement uh, for the past, I think it was kind of a gradual uptick, uptick, uptake uh, from episode six on. And yeah, like I said, I have no regrets in it going in this direction. Uh, And I'm actually kind of glad that there is a direction that my podcast has taken. Uh, As you may or may not know, I have ADHD and I've always just done various things in my life, different crafts. Uh, I'm calling myself a renaissance woman. I can do it all while I feel that that's a blessing and I love creating all sorts of different things, sewing, painting, modeling, uh, photography. Uh, I don't know what I'm forgetting. Um, it has been a struggle though to not have that like definitive thing that I do. Um, I don't know. I just feel like people that do that one thing in their life have it easier, but perhaps not. I don't know. Anywho, uh, let me get on here. This episode, I will be discussing uh, the gay versus transgender movement, trans identifying males in prison and the true statistics of that, more scientific biological specifics of sex and gender, intersex, and other women's thoughts on this movement, and my general thoughts as usual. So let me just jump right in. We're going to start with some definitions um, and some thoughts, I guess, here. Um, so this quote, cis, C-I-S, is a type of language. It's, it's, a, it's attempting to make the majority look like the abnormal ones. Um, I, you know, I feel like they're tired of being cast out as the irregulars in terms of transgender people. So they now have found a way to deem us inferior by using their term cis. And at first I didn't really recognize it as that. I, I actually thought it was a technical, uh, scientific term, but then I realized it was adopted by the transgender, um, people. And I just noticed how they were using that term where, you know, they don't call us women or women anymore, or even men, you know, they, it's it's kind of hard to describe. Um, it's just a very peculiar way of playing with words and trying to make, uh, I don't want to use the word normal, um, the majority of people look like we kind of belong in their uh, clown party. And I'm like, no, uh, I'm a woman. I don't believe in having this like saying, <laughs> first of all, this just sounds silly to begin with. I'm a cis female, what did they say? Cis woman. It just sounds like sister, sister. I never watched that show, but... Uh, what is their, what are their names? Tamik and Tamara something. I think it was on Nickelodeon. I just can't help but think of that. And I already mentioned that previously in another episode where I'm like, I'm sure they're just having a laugh, having men go, I'm a cis man, you know, like cis, hey sis, what's going on, sister? I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Even though the term cis is actually um, a Latin term for, um, what was it? Trans is like the opposite and cis is the same that's like a butcher of of me explaining that but um if you it made sense to me that i they 
use that term. But it's funny that they they call it transgender or trans. Um, but then I've never heard them say cisgender. They always deem it as cis. I just thought that was peculiar. I was like, huh, that's weird because it is cisgender. Anywho. Yeah, um, I just want to start out the podcast by saying don't be afraid to speak out. Um, when I spoke out, you know, about the transgender stuff, and I finally admitted to myself that this is bullshit, um, I didn't come out of the gate saying it like that, because that's not going to convince anyone, but, you know, it was freaking scary. It's not, you know, not that I have, like, a corporate job or work in academia, but it's still, like, I know I'm going against the the grain here, um, it's just, it's going to be scary, but once you finally, I guess, make that leap, which shouldn't be a leap, but um, of speaking truthfully, uh, you know, it just becomes easier. You know, I got that first wave of harass or just like, like vitriol and just people being like, oh my God, how dare you? Seriously, Lindsay, you're, you're doing the wrong, you're going down the wrong path. Um, my favorites, you're on the wrong side of history. I'll get into that hilarity. Um, you know, it's, it's not a fun feeling of having people repeatedly come after you in comments of, you know, acquaintances or not. I, I was very confused. I was just like, what? Um, you know, I, I didn't get a sense even remotely that these people wanted to have a conversation or understand where I was coming from. Uh, you know, I, I just, I will say once you deal with that first wave of, uh, people being really brutal to you it, the rest just is a cakewalk um truly I can say that um and you're you know this isn't fun um but I just truly believe in speaking the truth and doing this it's something that is just like an I've said this you know an innate feeling that's really deep within me to just do what I do here now and I've always been an outspoken person and, and I will stand up in the face of bullshit where a lot of people would be like oh I'm not doing that you know uncomfortable situations but I'm like fuck that if people you know I always say that if you don't let someone know that that they did something wrong or just fucked up or not even necessarily fucked up but if someone bumped into you and they didn't know I don't approach it like as an asshole um I think my younger days I would because I was also an asshole go figure um but as long as you just let them know you know ow or you know you bumped into me or whatever. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I just really believe in letting people know they made a mistake. Otherwise, how are they going to know to, uh, you know, be like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Or, you know, how are they going to know to work on themselves? Or I just think it's it's really, really important to let people know this stuff where, you know, especially when it comes to fucking logic and biology and science. Uh, I'm like, okay, like, <clears throat> uh, this stuff is like so ridiculous and I have such huge red flags with it that it's it be, it's like it's easy it becomes easy for me to even talk about this because I'm like are you serious like I know, I know a lot of these topics are ex at times extremely complicated but <clears throat> um some of it's just so absurd um especially with the trans identifying males that I'm like I just need to call you on it and I you know there's this craziness of living in fear of mentioning biological sex and saying men can't be women or men or women can't have penises on Twitter. Like this is the stuff that you literally get banned for. It's ridiculous. And I used to be scared of it, but I've been more, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like catch me outside, bitch. Like, let's go. Like, I don't care. Like, what am I going to do? Be living in this 
fear of uh, Silicon Valley big tech shit. Fuck this shit, man. Like, again, watch um, Equilibrium. Just watch it and you'll be like, oh, I get it. There's a lot of those themes and other stuff I've seen, like a Rick and Morty episode I saw was very similar to the, you know, underground culture of people. Usually you see those underground people in movies like that or shows and you're like, oh, those people are scummy. But then if you look at it like how I look at it, especially Equilibrium, then you're like, oh, those aren't bad people at all. Anywho. Um, yeah, just don't be afraid. And, you know, I used to be like, you know, oh, I understand people have jobs and they're afraid to lose those jobs. And like, I, I, I'm kind of like, this is getting, this is already really serious and really affecting the youth and women and little girls and, you know, private spaces of changing rooms, bathrooms, rape crisis, you know, women's safe spaces. I'm like, I, I don't think you should be sitting complacent in this. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, obviously, but at the same time, I think that, you know, we need to be speaking out um, about this stuff because we need more, like people speaking the truth, really. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, especially on uh, social media where they kind of dominate. I think it becomes even more increasingly important. Um, and you can do it in a way where you are careful about not being banned, you know, uh, not misgendering someone, even though I don't really abide by that because I'm like, that's clearly a dude, whatever. Because it's also playing into their, it's also validating their, cra- you know, distorted ide- ideology of, you know, just, they're just mental illness. I'm not, I don't believe in, helping out and assisting someone's serious mental illness i just don't so anywho uh yeah someone uh he's a youtuber named Artie morty and he's fantastic he's a homosexual man and he is so articulate and so intuitive and so insightful about all of this i cannot recommend his youtube i mean anymore it's he's wonderful from the start to the end every word he says is critical and super important and his his approach of bringing it up and just talking about it is it's just really palatable and wonderful um but he made this uh, incredible um statement and i was like oh my god he's right he said transgenders want access to our women's spaces because it further validates their gender identity most aggressive trans identifying males they don't want third spaces at all because i've been like why are they immediately going for women's bathrooms and women's spaces why are they not advocating and you know, gathering together and spending their metric ton of money on creating a third space. I just didn't understand that. I'm like, why would they come to us? And why are we their shelter and their mommies or protectors? Because they get beat up in men's spaces and whatnot. Um, I just I don't I didn't understand that. I'm, you know, but it's very clear to me that they don't they don't want their own fucking third space. They want in on the woman party, which is apparently the fucking bathrooms. You just see how fucked that is. Like, come on, man, red flag. Jesus Christ. So I got an awesome, I treated myself. So I already treated myself to a mini uh, pocket dictionary that I love. It's all cute. And I purposely bought it from 1995 because I didn't want any like woke fuckery words or anything in it where it's like, I don't need to know that word or that trendy word. And it's a pocket dictionary, which is obviously, you know, you look up a word and it has like two words defining that term. But then I also treated myself to a freaking American Dictionary of the English Language, Noah Webster from 1828. So it's not, the book's not 
everything in this book is from the 1828 book itself, but this book is not like that old. It's obviously a reprint, but I'm like, hell yeah. Like the first, this is the first Noah's Webster, Noah Webster's dictionary. Um, let me see. What did it say here? Noah Webster's first edition of the, of an American dictionary of the English language. Um, Here's what I found to be super interesting at the beginning before it, it, you know, starts into being a dictionary as you do or as it would. It gives some background on Noah Webster, um, founding father of American scholarship and education, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not, I don't have time to read all this because I just got this book today. And I, you know, I, I don't like to put in stuff in my, in my podcast, like, um, the same day, just because I really like to digest it and really make sure what I'm putting in my podcast is well thought out and not crammed in the last minute because i've noticed when i've done the last minute stuff i am not able to get to the whole article or whatever i'm covering so anyhow but i did find this very interesting so it reads noah webster recognized that each age is subject to demoralization of its language by the literary or modish segment of society modish is like trendy uh, uh you know current trends Thus he put, as a check and balance upon each other, universal, undisputed practice and the common law of language, or established principles of analogy. Change for the sake of change, vulgarity, cant, slang for its own sake, was to Webster like the principle of motion in physics. Are you ready for this? Let's go. If not controlled, it became the principle of destruction. Q, um, Keanu Reeves, whoa, moment. <clears throat> Thus, expressions peculiar to and generally understood only by members of a particular sect, class, or occupation as A, the secret jargon of thieves, tramps, etc., B, the special idiom of a profession or trade, or C, a mode of talking used merely out of convention, uh, it says ESP, I think it means especially, uh, the insincere use of pious phraseology, found no place in Noah Webster's dictionaries. The responsibility to establish a standard of reference which will enable students to study the history and literature of our founding period in its original context is critical today. Um, and I did not know this, that Noah Webster was a, uh, like, uh, biblical and Christianly. And I'm like, I, I was telling my husband this. I was like, oh, God, I don't want to say this because the woke people are going to be like, yeah, see, even the English language dictionary is founded on religion. Therefore it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, once I put, my, once I start studying the, uh, woke and other side of my beliefs, I'm able to form these arguments in my head, um, where it can be a benefit for me where I'm able to prepare myself for, uh, you know, the shit that they can fire at me. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. Huh. So we also, it says here, uh, Noah Webster, the lexicographer, ooh, I think I did well there, lexicographer, claimed to have coined only one word, demoralize, which he defined, quote, 
to corrupt or undermine the morals of, to destroy or lessen the effect of moral principles on, to render corrupt and morals. Today, the field of lexicography has been demoralized by those who would make contemporary usage and slang a standard of reference for students in our schools. Pornographic terminology has come to have educational significance in state schools where Dictionary of American Slang has received an academic acceptance. Um, and then I should have read it. That was the paragraph before the, uh, the first part I read. So anyways, I thought that was amazing. And this dictionary is uh, a meaty mother effer. It is freaking heavy. I, this is like a book that they actually use in uh, libraries. I love it. Oh, my God. I was talking to my husband about this the other day. I think last night about for once in my life, I am like loving, uh, doing research. And just the fact that I bought myself dictionaries makes me laugh. Cause, uh, not that I believe I was ever dumb before. I just don't, I didn't have like a hunger for education. I'm talking an education in the sense of Georgia education. Uh, I just didn't care for it, man. I don't know what it was about my youth that I was like, I don't care for school. And I do believe that's a, are the kind of personality I have, uh, th these type of people don't work well in structured um, school systems for one reason or another. Um, and I don't have the answer for what the correct education system would be. But uh, yeah, anyway, let's see here. So let's uh, get onto the terms here. So patriarch, which is, a, you know, obviously in relation to patriarchy, is man revered as father or founder. And from Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary is, one, the father and ruler of a family, uh, one who governs by paternal right. Next one is gender identity is how we feel in relation to our sex regarding whether we feel masculine or feminine. Biological sex, next one, is either male or female. Sex is not defined by chromosomes or genitals, but by gametes, which are sperm that are produced by males and eggs produced by females. Next one is gender expression, is the external manifestation of our gender identity or how we express our gender through our appearance, like clothing and hairstyle choices and mannerisms. Uh, gender nonconformity is when you don't conform to gender roles like long hair for females and for males. Um, I was trying to think of like a masculine uh, trait that is something you – I was like, I don't know, something masculine-y. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I was reading uh, Dr. Deborah So's book, and her idea of gender identity kind of confused me. And I want to say that um, – I am still, I think, relatively new to doing all this, like, gender and sex. Sex is pretty solid, but gender and all this stuff is, I'm still, like, researching it. So I want to really reiterate, I know I've mentioned this, that I'm still learning. And what I'm saying now is what I believe now. And if I don't believe it or if I'm unsure about it, I will always be sure to be very clear about that. Just because I think it's, there's nothing wrong with being like, I don't really know if this is true. Um... I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I think it's very human and there's, I have no problem admitting that I don't know if parts of what Deborah writes is, I don't want to say true, but if, if it's something that I believe and it's not that I even remotely doubt Deborah and I've, I've loved her book so far. I think it's fantastic. She's, you know, been in the science, uh, sexologist world for, I've never been in that world as a professionalism. So, you know, I mean, I'm obviously inclined to believe her, but I don't know. So people for some, she said gender identity is synonymous with biological sex. And I know that some people probably don't agree with that. And even still, I'm not sure how to even unravel that because gender identity 
is how you feel in relation to your sex uh, regarding whether we feel masculine or feminine. Um, And I'm not saying I even disagree with that. I think that she probably didn't expand on it enough because she does kind of, I don't know. um, Gender identity is synonymous with masculine sex. I think that, I think she meant that uh, it obviously is in relation to biological sex because... They are so related, but they definitely are not the same. So I will say that. Anyways, let me get on here. So there is, uh, you know, a lot of feministy. I hate saying that word. It sounds so weird. It sounds like fisty. Anyways, that I found on Twitter and whatnot. And this woman is a fan freaking tastic writer. She really does her research. Um, wonderful. Just so articulate. Uh, let me actually, I should have written down. Oh, God, where did my notes go? Eh. Um, let me see what her profession is, because I actually want to, I kind of have that as a, you know, let you know who she is. She is a writer, philosopher, feminist. Um, yeah, so let's see. She writes, you cannot mandate, uh, let me start over. You cannot mandate how people perceive the world. That is totalitarian as all living fuck. And I was like, uh, love her immediately. Um, so I'm going to quote stuff from her blog that is, holy hell, oh, wonderful and just really concise and wonderfully put. Let me start. She says, what we have here then is a politically driven ideology. This is, I'm sorry. Well, let me preface this is obviously with the transgender um, ideology. So what we have here is then a politically driven ideology that refuses to engage in any meaningful debate about any of the implications of the changes it is forcing through and attempts to shut down every question or objection by screaming phobia and hate speech and genocide. Um, That right there, I'm like, uh, yep. Next, she says, it is attempting to legislate people's basic perceptions of the world and recast the very fact of that perception as a form of illegitimate moral disgust overlaid with resonances of intent to harm or even eradicate. It should be pretty evident that any political program based on attempting to reframe such a fundamental aspect of human perception is only going to succeed by using totalitarian methods. How do they achieve such things? By relentlessly drilling its axioms into public consciousness and by making people who reject them pay a very high social price. I'm not even going to butt in here, except for right now. I'm I'm, just because what she says is like hitting it on the nose. I hate that phrase. I want to find one that's equivalent, but not that. Uh, Continuing. Changing the definition of woman without the consent of women. Specifically changing the definition from one based in biology to one based on gender identity. It should be uncontroversial that all groups of people who have a right to define themselves, and this is particularly true when that definition describes an oppressed class of persons. It seems further true that it might be a really big problem when that definition is being changed by people born into the oppressor class and in the interests of people born into the oppressor class. Oh, that's huge. So important. Gosh, she really just just looks at all this evidence of this movement and analyzes it. Uh, She goes on and says, this definitional change then leads to the erasure of women, both as biological class and as a political category. This is profoundly dehumanizing and results 
that was two S's there, and results specifically in injunctions against women naming their bodies and the political implications of their bodies. This then leads to making the description of the sex-based nature of women's oppression unsayable. That is, making the feminist analysis of the mechanism of, of women's oppression a thought and hate crime. Injunctions against the naming of sex also lead to do, 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 legislative changes, which would re, which would inf- interfere with the recording of natal sex. This will have an impact on the collection of data used to track and describe the sex-based oppression of women, including women's representation in public life, the pay gap, and very significantly, crime statistics and the analysis of male violence. This one I have a... Man, this shit bothers me like no other. Because I'm like, this is the biggest, you know, among all the... This is a serious problem. Why the fuck are we moving forward with this and making laws about this? Because if a man can sit there and be like, I'm a woman, and it becomes legally on their certificate or birth certificate or whatever fuckery, then guess what? They're suddenly deemed a woman, and if they start raping, killing, or whatever, they're going to be put in the statistic of women's statistics of, you know, killing and raping or whatever, as if women, I mean, yes, it exists, but come on. Hello? I mean, that's a huge problem. Give me a fucking break. Okay, let me go on here. The denial that there is any meaningful difference between male people who identify as women and female people then leads to the demand that all services for female people be open to male-born people who identify as women. I want to say here, uh, me, I'm talking... Um, But again, saying this is not like made up stuff of this might happen. Like this is actively happening. So you need to take this shit seriously. If you're not taking it seriously or, you know, speaking out or doing something about it, then when will you? You know what I mean? Like this is actually happening. There are laws being passed all over the world and country, obviously, to uh, it's um, bottom of my notes. I'll explain it. This is very serious. This is a big problem. And I do believe this is like a calm before the storm. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to take like 10 years. Just a random guess there. This is going to be really rough for women to go through. So I think, you know, just the more you know, the more power you have. And it's really upsetting. I just I can't believe this shit. Even when I still to this day read this, it's it's mind blowing, mind blowing. You know, I'm like, is COVID a new world order? What the fuck? It's so convenient. Anyways, I go on, or uh, Jane goes on. Uh, The current form of trans rights activism considers identification rather than transition to be the criteria that determines whether someone is a trans woman. And the current consultation on the Gender Recognition Act is about whether self-declared identification rather than transition should be the basis for someone's birth sex being reassigned. Uh, TLDR, this means you can look uh, 100% like a male and just call yourself a female and get access to female spaces. That was my TLDR. Next, uh, she goes on. In practice, this will make all women and girls' single-spec spaces and services open to any male person who claims they are a woman. 
that this is wide open for abuse by predatory men and pedophiles should be evident to anyone who has not pickled their brain in an enormous vat of trans ideology. The fact that it is, therefore, in the interest of the trans rights movement to consistently deny the reality of male violence against women and girls is, by itself, evidence of the fact that trans-identifying males who are committed to the present form of trans ideology are not capable of representing the political interests of women and are not capable of acting politically with women in feminist solidarity. The election of trans-identifying males in political positions normally occupied by women is, therefore, a harm to the political interests of women. I write in here, this shit makes me livid. This is actively happening, again, not just in America, all around the world. Men are saying, I'm a woman. Literally are replacing women in their position, in their seat of whatever house, of politics or whatever it is, state, you know, countrywide things. They're, they're sitting in the fucking place of where a woman should be sitting. I, this is absurd. Absurd. I, how is that not insulting? She goes on to write, in addition to the problems that arise from the denial of the reality of human sexual dimorphism, trans ideology is also committed to a regressive theory of existentialist gender identity. Uh, sexual dimorphism is the differences in appearance between males and females of the same species. This actually serves to reinforce patriarchal gender conformity by making all gender nonconforming people a different, quote, class. Rather than viewing gender nonconformity as evidence of the fact that gender conformity is a patriarchal straitjacket, trans ideology thus propagates the idea that feminine men and masculine women are something other than their natal sex. Basically, it's like, well, if you're a masculine woman, you're clearly a trans man. And if you're a feminist, femin, uh, a feminine man then you're clearly a trans female. And I, I wish this shit was made up because this is what they believe. In fact, if, the, if you are like, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe I am trans. You know, if you're a, a young person or whoever you are, if you say that to a trans person um, or TRA, trans right activist, they'll be like, well, if you think you're trans, you are trans. I'm not making this up. This is literally their belief. They say, if you think you are, you are. Like, even if you're just, you know, as if you're supposed to take every thought seriously and really like solidify that i mean that right there is another red flag like i need like a fucking bell to go ding red flag like fucking hell where was i um okay the associate she goes on right the association between gender nonconformity or uh and trans identity is of particular concern with regard to the medicalization of gender nonconforming and gay children there are serious potential consequences of that medicalization, including sterility, stunted growth, bone density issues, effects on sexual function, and other side effects of lifelong use of cross-sex hormones. None of these effects have been subjected to thorough research. This is a fucking scandal. That's my words. She goes on. Uh, there was nothing in the gay rights movement which was remotely equivalent to the potential harms of this medicalization. And moreover, these harms are potentially being directed largely at homosexuals. The potential unnecessary medicalization of children is of particular concern with respect to female children 
because the massive increase in referrals to gender identity specialists since the beginning of this phase of trans rights advocacy has seen a hugely disproportionate referral of girls. This is worrying because there are reasons to believe a substantial proportion of these girls are lesbians. Many are on the autistic spectrum, and there may also be issues thrown up by the trauma girls experience go uh, that they go through during puberty in a patriarchy, especially sexual abuse and objectification. And I will say in my own words, not even necessarily, because I feel like if people uh, use or hear the word patriarchy, they're like, oh, it looks really serious. I guess that's that's my own, me saying that, because I was like, patriarchy? I, you know what? It's so weird how I used to think that that was like a made-up thing. How, how sad of me. I don't know where I even got that idea. I don't even know. Um, Like... Yeah, I mean, just going through puberty, I feel like for a male or a female, is rough, man. It, it is really tough. It's, you know, a lot of the stuff that they explain to you in school, um, at least when I went to school, forget fucking now, it's all trans everything, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, question your identity, whatever. When I was in school, it was, you know, they kind of teach you the basics, but no one teaches you about, like like just boundaries and respect and I don't know I mean I guess I'm not gonna say no one excuse me uh a lot of I feel like a lot of parents don't do that because it's like oh no sex awkward oh I mean my parents didn't say shit about it in fact I was uh shamed for something that was sexual related I hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you think this is a show that's worth supporting, then the best way to do that is to make a donation. Even something as little as $3 a month. Your donations help me to keep growing so I can keep providing you with funny and ambitious content. All you need to do is go to lindsayplatotionart.com, click into the Distorted Lens podcast link on the top of my website, and click the donate button for a direct PayPal donation, or become a patron on my Patreon. That link is also on that page. Now, back to the show. Yeah, my mom found some, uh, I like cyber, I don't even know if I cybered, but I used to be into cybering because I didn't fucking know. Also, daddy issues. Um, She like printed out this conversation I had with a boy that I liked in middle school. I don't think we were cybering, but I was like, I guess really sexual or flirtatious. She printed it out and reamed me for it like made me feel it was a lot of shame and I was like mortified and you know I'm I've learned to realize that that she just dealt with it in her own way um especially coming from her background uh but I do believe there's she could have handled it in a way of like let me you know let me teach you about how to conversate with boys um because she did say that boys always think about that one thing and she's not wrong but just the way she went about it was not good because I don't think you should shame someone about sex or being sexual, especially when they're going through puberty and sex and everything is, you know, uh, charged. Um, you know, no one's perfect. So uh, let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. You know, I want to say also about that. Once you start, stop making it about yourself and me. Um, and you realize that people come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, then... Things like that, even though that was bothersome to me, and looking back on it, it was like uh, not traumatic, but it was traumatic. I have I find peace with things because I start realizing that it isn't about me. And if someone freaks out on you, it's like 100% of the time not about you. It's coming from their own past and their own experiences and whatnot. So I just wanted to put that in there. And um, you know, a lot of things where people are like, "Wow, that person was an asshole," or 
whatever. Try not to internalize it so much. I know it's a very human thing to do. It'd be like, oh, wow, what did I do wrong? It's not about you. It's not about you. Anyways, let me go on here. Uh, let me get some water or coffee. Water or coffee? Hmm, water. Alrighty. <clears throat> because, okay, continuing. Uh, okay. Make sure I was getting the right part. Okay. Because of the erasure of women in general and the views of feminist women in particular, the trans rights movement is creating particular issues for the recognition and respect of lesbian women within the, the historic gay rights movements. This is massively compounded by the fact that trans rights is committed to the erasure of sex and hence cannot recognize, oh my God, hold on, and hence cannot recognize same-sex attraction. This is a particular issue for lesbians because they are coming under increasing pressure to accept male-bodied people who identify as women as sexual partners in opposition to their sexual orientation. Orientation. Charmingly, the trans rights movement has taken to calling exclusively same-sex attracted women vagina fetishists. Nice work, guys, she writes. Yeah. How, how, I just keep saying this, how rapey is that? Being like, yeah, you need to, you need to, like, question why you don't like taking dick and you need to take dick, which is the, it's what they're saying. Oh, you know, trans, tra by saying transgender women aren't women is transphobic and this bullshit and the fact that they're going straight for lesbians is just crazy. It's just like, who the fuck are you to police how people have preferences to their sexuality? Get the fuck out of here. I think that's... Get out of here. Again, red flag. Ding. Uh, gender is biological. It is not a social construct. And again, that might be a controversial topic. I'm still discovering that one for myself. That's what Deborah So writes. Um, and I'm not going to say that that's wrong. I think that, that I, want, I need to... I just, I'm going to do more research and you'll hear it here first in my podcast. Um, biology, this is a Deborah's back in a Deborah's so, uh, biology has been equated with bigotry and is in turn being scrubbed from existence. How nice. Hiding biological facts only sends us back to the dark ages to stumble around rediscovering what we already know. Da, da, da. Sex and gender are both biologically based, but it is incorrect to use them interchangeably. Um, let's see. So this is about, I'm going to talk about some intersex stuff because I... The transgender movement really relies on the intersex thing because this tiny percentage of people that are intersex, while it does exist and is real, I think that now that they know that that's a real possibility, which, which is so weird because if they don't believe in biology and reality, then why are they even using this as something to go off of? So they're really secretly admitting that, you know, they do believe that uh, there's two sexes. Um for 99, ooh, that was loud. I'm so sorry. Why was that so loud? For 99% of us, our gender is our biological sex. Then 1% is intersex. Not all intersex people are trans, and not all trans people are intersex. Intersex is also known as hermaphro hermaphroditism, which is now considered an insensitive term. Someone who is intersex possesses reproductive or sexual anatomy that would be considered atypical because it doesn't fit the standard definition of male or female i.e. someone who has both a vulva and testicular tissue, as many as 30 variations of intersex exists. Those advocating that biological sex is a spectrum fre frequently use the intersex route as evidence for their claims. They will say that because a person can be born with a mix of sex characteristics, that sex is not binary. Binary means two. 
uh, intersex people tend to produce one of the two types of gametes or are infertile. In some cases, a intersex person's gametes does not align with the sex they identify as. This is where it gets kind of confusing. I.e. girls with congenital adrenal hyperplasia are exposed to unusually high levels of testosterone in the womb. When they are born, they may have genitals that are ambiguous, such as a, clitor as a clitoris that is longer than average or labia that looks like a scrotum. They have ovaries that will produce eggs, typical of girls who are not intersex, but as a result of the masculinization process during development, which influences not only a person's anatomy, but their uh, psychology too. Physiology? They may identify as male in adulthood. The fact that they have female gametes is not indicative of their sex. However, thus is not to say that sex should be categorized as something wholly different if someone is intersex. Ugh, I know that's probably a lot of word stuff, and you're like, what? 1% of the world or fewer have intersex conditions. Uh, I'm going to go on here. I, I know this is like a lot about intersex, but I do believe it's really informative to learn about it and understand it completely and, and why or how transgender people could use this as some sort of thing to ride on or piggyback on. For a person to produce both types of gametes, they would need to possess both ovarian and testicular tissue. This is called ovotestis. They do possess such a combination. In most cases, however, only one type of tissue is functional. Their ovaries will produce eggs, but their testes are unable to produce sperm. So why then should we take something that is statistically rare and consider it to be typical? The vast majority of us fall into one category of sex. Just because there are exceptions to the rule doesn't make that the majority. And her, she quotes, this is a quote from her. I mean, this is all what she wrote, but... It isn't sexist to acknowledge sex differences. What's sexist is assuming that women must be the same as men in order to be treated equals. And I'm like, uh-huh. So I'm going to, on to talk about, uh, it's from a podcast, a trio interview talk. Um, and it's, a, uh, it's on YouTube and it's a podcast. The podcast is called Gender, A Wider Lens. And it's fantastic. I can't recommend, I keep saying I can't recommend it more. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I love Sasha, Sasha Ayad and Stella O'Malley. She's an Irish woman. They're very intuitive and uh, insightful, and they just really question things about gender and sex and everything. Excuse me. Um, so I'm going to uh, read some tidbits and notes I made from their podcast. Um, so Sasha talks about the psychology of uh, when all this started, um, and in general, with, uh, uh, so when multiple symptoms are, you know, people notice there's a correlation and that then becomes a word or something that's diagnosed, people literally will start self-diagnosing and claiming that they have that illness or disease. So once you have a word for a, uh, uh, I guess illness or not, not side effects, but symptoms, People will literally start claiming that they have that illness and disease. So it's literally a hysteria. This is real, and it's happened throughout history. Uh, when they originally named it gender dysphoria, they were doing that to please the activists. They were effectively making it more palatable for society. Um, so there's this thing called the symptom pool, which is an idea that was developed by Edward Shorter. He noticed that when a culture does not have a conception for a certain type of suffering, 
that suffering will exist either in very small numbers or not really at all. But then once there becomes a label or definition or diagnosis that describes a certain cluster of symptoms, then all of a sudden, people in the population will start exhibiting that symptom cluster. How? I mean, this shit is like, holy shit. I mean, look at it. Look at this shit. And this is a, uh, largely in part with the uh, teen girls. Um, in various hysteria throughout history, a certain symptom enters the population. A certain symptom enters the population. It becomes culturally sanctioned through the process of questioning one's identity and being exposed to these diagnoses. Diagnoses. People can become fixated and latch onto them just by hearing about this and it, be, in, it being deemed a diagnosed term. Sasha Ayad was saying that ROGD, which is rapid onset uh, dysphoria. I'm sorry, rapid onset gender dysphoria. I forgot to put gender in that note there. Which is, anyways. She explained it as... Quote, if only my flesh were more like this, my insides would feel really good. And it feels like a shortcut that never gets you where you want to go. And this is a another huge comparison with the eating disorders of the 90s that was largely popular where, you know, you have, I definitely had a body dysmorphia where I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm fat, but I was definitely underweight. Uh, you know, if only my flesh were more like this, then my insides would feel really good. And I was like, oh my God, yes. I love Sasha. She's fantastic. Um, Stella said that, yeah, yeah, she, well, Stella also, um, confirmed my suspicion about this is that there's huge comparisons with the eating disorder, um, in the similarities of this. And I was like, oh my God, I got up and like did a dance. It just feels wonderful to, uh, so I'm going to explain, I'm just going to do a little side note here. Um, when I first started discovering and researching this transgender movement, I had all these initial huge core reactions and at the time I didn't have like really big reasons or this is why I feel this way. Um, but what throughout my research and along my research, the more I do it, I am finding these, uh, you know, writings or, um, science things, uh, just throughout my research, I'm like, oh my God, this goes with this initial core feeling I had I wish you could see my hands because I'm like putting it together underneath like a a tier of items basically it's like these explanations match up with my initial core feelings about all this and it you know I was telling my husband this last night that for once in my life I don't need like a validation of someone else I'm like self-validating my initial core feelings and like innate reaction to all this just by my own research and it just feels really good um, to like realize that, you know, trust myself and trust, I'm trusting my instincts and, you know, it validates my initial instincts with all this. And it feels really fucking good. I have to say, um, you know, whether it's people coming through and being like, I totally agree. Or like I said, just researching and hearing other people talk about this. Feels good, man. Feels good. Uh, let's see. Let me go on here. Yeah, they were mentioning that a lot of these kids are sheltered and they're loved or helicopter parented uh, from very anxious parents. Um, then they said that, you know, the type of child that would have gotten an eating disorder would be susceptible to having gender disorders now because they are similar uh, personality types. And I was like, oh, my fucking God, yes. Excuse me, God. <laughs> um. We've learned to really glorify what the youth say and take that as the wiser idea on everything. 
uh, where adults can be seen as silly or like not with the times or not hip and with it, especially about things that are a social contagion and things that are trendy. Um, you know, I think that people have taken that a little bit too seriously there. Teenagers know more than their parents, but they don't know the, the word, like, they don't know the depth of the lived experience of just living life, you know? Um, you know, when they find gender, they find their voice and they feel powerful with that, um, with this movement. Um, let's see here. So this is from, um, just a random over it post and it spoke to me and it is sad, but you know, I'm not alone in feeling sad about this and it, yeah, it, uh, resonated with me. So quoting, it seems clear. Uh, first of all, the title of this post was women can't win. It seems clear by now that no matter what, I'm sorry, God. It seems clear by now that no matter which way a transition goes, women lose. Men with AGP, which is autogynephilia, uh, fetishize femininity and transition to gain access to women. Women transition as a way to escape sexualization, harassment, and oppression. Either way, it's girls and women who suffer the brunt of this fad. Gender nonconforming women are pressured to transition. Then the woke wants to brandish conforming women as not sham feminists because they're traditionalists who embrace gender roles. Toddler refuses to wear a dress? Must be trans. Seven-year-old wants to play in the dirt with boys? Must be trans. Preteen uncomfortable with her body developing? Let's put her on blockers. Hormone blockers. Teen hiding her breast to avoid cat collars? Here's a binder. Let's schedule a mastectomy, which is chopping off breasts. Binder is a, like... Uh, really severe, really has massive health risks. Um, where you just push your boobs down to make it look flat. It's ridiculous. Hiding your feminineness, basically. Sad. Why are there no uh, gender not conforming women? Obviously, these turfs just want to force girls to wear frilly dresses and play with dolls. We can't win. And I was like, ouch, that resonates with me. Um, yeah. Um, side note here. Um, I think transgender folks in the military are doing it as a way to deal with the trauma they have clearly been through, um, through the military. It's like what they are currently living with mentally, um, is so awful that becoming trans becomes their permanent disassociation away from their body and the pain. And I don't think any group that finds a way to use colored baseball bats is a group that is honestly doing it for the greater good of anyone. Do as I say, otherwise we'll beat you up. I can't think of a more bullying attitude than that behavior right there. That shit is straight up criminal. I don't know what uh, gathering this was, but trans rights activists thought it'd be cute or like adorable to threaten or just show their... This is so fucking masculine, I have to say. Like, they're, they had like all these baseball bats and they're like framed in some sort of fucking museum somewhere. I wish I looked up where that was, but it's a thing. Horrifically. Like they're proud of it. Baseball bats that have, like, the transgender flag colors on it or, uh, I don't know, other made-up flag colors. But I'm like, a baseball bat? Are you serious? Um, they're just so aggressive. This is like, why the hell would anyone back this movement up? Like, oh, mm, anyways, fucked up. Uh, I will, I, again, I'll put these links and images in my uh, on my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash distorted lens. Uh, so I, like I said, I've made some amazing feminist, uh, friends on social media, which sounds, no, it doesn't sound corny. We're living in the digital age. Fuck you. <laughs> I see how I just made like a, a uh, combo in my head there. Like, oh, it's so lame. Really? Oh, internet friends. Uh, anyways, screw you.
um, person who's, I don't even know who that is. Um, so, uh, her handle is at known heretic and her, her name is Amy. She's fantastic. I love her. She's extremely insightful. She has a YouTube, um, has quite a few videos on there. Um, and again, I'll have these links, but I had been dealing with, uh, losing my really good friend to this movement being really nasty to me and I asked her for some insight like you know like random fuckers coming at me with stupid name calling that I don't know hiding behind anime avatars I don't care about but when it comes to like my best friend not wanting to listen to me or even respect me even remotely and also lie to me you know I I I I, I crossed, I mean, that's a, that's a line I will make. Um, I have boundaries for myself now. I respect myself and I won't stand for that shit. That's not a friend. Um, it's much, much more complicated than, uh, what I just said, but, um, we were talking about the topic of, uh, letting trans, trans identifying males into female prisons. And I tagged my friend in it and she was like, anyways, I don't want to really talk about it at all, but She's basically for that. And I'm like, I just, I can't. It's so upsetting. I'm like, what? Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I refuse to be friends with someone that gets to use a friendship on their terms. Uh, and someone that says you're on the wrong side of history. Uh, like, and they get to have their two cents about their opinion about the, the topic. And I don't get to say shit is bullshit. Like, that's crap. Um, I don't get to express my feelings yet. You get to talk. Um, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Like, there's no way this person doesn't know that this is a big deal to me and I'm very passionate about it. Um, I just think that this person's a coward straight up. I have no problem saying that extremely cowardly, really disrespectful. This is not a friend. And even if, you know, you know, if you have a friend and you have opposing opinions or views on something, you don't treat a friend like this, like flat out number one. Um, you know, someone who lies to me about why they couldn't talk to me about it and I call, I calmly call them out in their lie and they still can't fess up to their lie is ridiculous. I'm like, okay, um, I won't discuss this topic of anti-trans this anti-trans group you've attached yourself to ridiculous. Like you have no idea where I'm coming from. If you think that I'm like anti-trans, you think that the group that I've attached myself to is anti-trans, like since when is standing up for women's rights anti-trans? Um, I'm like, if anything, she is being anti-females. But I wasn't about to stoop to her level and name call. I have more dignity than that. Um, you know, someone who gets to assume what you are and what you stand for without discussing a thing with you or fact-checking with the person, you know, that they're conceptualizing or, like, deciding for is not a friend at all. Like, it's not hard to pick up the phone and be like, you know what's going on or whatever let's talk about this um and this whole like you're on the wrong side of history thing is utterly ridiculous and so foolish like do you have a time machine can you time travel are you a fortune teller like so i know in my like deepest soul that i'm standing up for women's rights um but i'm not gonna sit there and be like you're on the wrong side of history like that's so foolish it's so foolish do you, do you hear how stupid you sound? How do you know? How do you know that you're on the right side of history? You know? like it's, uh, And they don't even back it up. They just do this. Bleh, bleh, bleh. You're on the wrong side of history. Bye. They're not like, you're on the wrong side of history because, or whatever. Um, 
Yeah. So anyways, Amy was giving me some pointers about, she said, uh, ask her to explain what a gender identity is and what it specifically means when men claim they are, quote, woman gender identity. There are many vulnerable men in prison, gay men, young men, pretty men, and weak men. Why should vulnerable women be made into human shields to protect some men? Many, if not most, women in prison are themselves gender nonconforming, thus not the same gender identity as men who claim trans status. Why are men's internal feelings of identity more important than the physical safety of women? That one's huge. Huge. Men who claim trans identity have a higher rate of sexual assault. Why should women have to bear that risk? Trans rights has taken over the LGBTQ+. Um, Objections to trans rights are immediately dismissed as bigotry and transphobia. This isn't what Amy said, but just other notes. Um, A thought terminating lifting of the notion of discrimination as phobia taken straight from uh, gay rights discourse. Oh, this is, uh, I think this is um, some of the gay versus transgender movement. I think my notes were kind of uh, disorganized here, but that's fine. It's still applicable. Um, This strategy has been incredibly effective. Let me read that again. Objections to trans rights are immediately dismissed as bigotry and transphobia, a thought terminating lifting of the notion of discrimination as phobia taken from the gay rights discourse. Um, You know, you're a homophobe. This strategy has been incredibly effective. One of the reasons the trans rights movement has been able to make incredible headway at alarmingly fast speeds is because if you squint hard enough, it resembles the gay rights movement. People want to be told what side of history to be on because they can't be bothered to look it up, either from COVID or other issues in life. Just because it doesn't affect you now doesn't mean it won't affect you soon or later. Does it not affect you if your friends get hurt? Does it not affect you knowing other women will be preyed upon, children being groomed, abused, hurt, experienced traumatic situations that will scar them for life? Uh, This is more uh, here uh, from Jane Claire. Um, What none of them... Okay, this is... Let's see. uh, Okay, this is uh, comparing the gay versus trans uh, movement. What none of them involved was the demand that people change their fundamental perceptual systems as opposed to value judgments about things they perceived and the attempt to enforce that perception using our culture's most lucid analysis of this is what totalitarianism looks like. Gay men weren't asking straight men um, to consider them as potential sex partners. They never argued that they had to orient their sexuality in order to accommodate homosexuals. Trans is demanding things of other people. Everyone must reevaluate sex. It's not realistic. The concept of discrimination as phobia, quote, discrimination as phobia, worked for the gay rights movement, and why, despite superficial similarities, it doesn't accurately capture what is at stake in the trans rights debate and actually serves as a tool of political propaganda and obfuscation, confusion, to push that agenda through. Accusations of homophobia were a politically powerful and basically on-the-money part of gays' rights discourse, while the use of transphobia is an inaccurate parallel which grossly distorts public perceptions of the issues involved in the trans rights debate and is doing so in the service of actually preventing that debate taking place. Ugh. Uh, the discourse of homopho- quote, homophobia fundamentally relies on the idea that gay people are discriminated against on the basis of moral disgust. And inside that, there are two more interwoven ideas. One, that moral disgust is not a legitimate basis for telling people what not to do, correct? 
especially not when your disgust feels are causing serious harm to other people, also correct. And even more especially given that moral disgust is a nasty, vicious emotion that tends to shade very easily into violence. Uh, and she means that in the very literal, old-fashioned old sense of literal violence, you know, actual violence. Two, that because discrimination against homosexuality was entirely mediated by moral disgust, there was, in fact, no legitimate basis for that discrimination, and all objections were, effectively, moral disgust and drag. That is, the success of gay rights was substantially down to dis disseminating the idea that there were no good reasons for anyone to object to their agenda, and that everyone objecting was just a nasty, evil bigot whose ideas shouldn't be given any weight as part of democratic pol political debate. This previous structure is now being used with the transphobia statements you hear now. This this is so important, and this is why I am reading it um, from her blog, because it's it's right on the money, right on it. People need to be aware of this, how the gay rights movement and the transgender movement are not the same, simply not. And actually, Artie Morty, that uh, YouTuber, explains it very well, and I will also include that link. I continue or, uh, on with what Jane says. This is doing important work for the trans rights movement in several ways. First, the idea of the visceral virulence of moral disgust has been taken and amplified to the hundredth power our response to things that disgust us is to try and eradicate them. And I think this resonance of the, quote, phobia designation is doing a lot to under, undergird, I don't know, um, trans activists' claims that any objection to their demands amounts to a, quote, denial of their existence or an effort to exclude them, bordering on intent to exterminate. The use of the concept of homophobia to dismiss objections to gay rights carried a ton of weight because the basis for a legitimate moral or political objection would be that something causes a harm, and in the case of gay rights, there is a complete dearth of convincing arguments as to why homosexuality is a harm. It doesn't harm homosexuals, whereas repressing it evidently does, and it doesn't harm anyone else. Because of... Because in the case of the trans rights agenda, there is actually a load of potential harms we might reasonably be worried about. The key thing to understand about trans rights activism is that, unlike gay rights activism, it is not just a movement seeking to, e uh, seeking to ensure that trans people are not discriminated against. It is rather a movement committed to a fundamental reconceptualization of the very idea of what makes someone a man or a woman. In theory, this equally affects both men and women, but in practice, almost all of the social pressure is coming from trans women, which is trans-identifying males, towards the idea of, quote, woman and the rights of women. And that's because, when it comes down to it, this whole thing is being driven by male people who want something female people have. And that something is, in fact, our very existence. Moreover, it turns out that male people have the inclination and social power to exert extreme coercive pressure on female people and to court the sympathy and support of other males when they do so. Women are more conditioned to go along with the flow. <laughs> oh, God. This is such a, like, mental fuckery. It's just so mentally... Um manipulative and just oh my god it seems like a horror movie i mean it is a horror show 
Uh, this is, I'm going to read from an article titled Deconstructing the Good Trans Women on UncommonGroundMedia.com. There is no equivalent of females identifying as men speaking about the agency of men on public platforms holding public space to discuss what men are. Everyone knows what men are. Only womanhood is up for debate, and usually by men. As, quote, good as the as these men are at dismantling the sexism inherent in transgender and transsexual identities, they always seem to miss the objectification that is an essential ingredient of sexism, which they cling to, as most of the world, like it's a life raft. The cost of transgenderism is the continuation of sexism and the oppression of women the world over. Autogonophilia is a male sexual fetish of precisely desiring to see oneself as a woman. To embody as a fetish the opposite sex, one must first disassociate from their own body. This is what sexism does, and this is what transgenderism does. It disassociates. It disembodies and objectifies women. These men, quote, identifying as women or, quote, passing as women, surgery or no surgery, with an understanding of their situation or not, or not, are still objectifying women. It it is astonishing that they get so close to grasping it, how destructive it is in society, eloquently describe it to others, and still be unwilling to part with it. They still call themselves, quote, trans women. They don't like, they don't just like lipstick and skirts. We're not talking about Boy George or Prince here. They want to, quote, signal sex as women signal sex. They want to hold on to their obsession with this objectification of women, no matter the cost of women in the real world, which is precisely how so many men behave. They give no consideration to the technology and pharmacology developing to change sex characteristics when what it means to be human is to be a sexually dimorphic species and how these developments can be used to cement sex stereotypes in society. Yep, all I have to say to that is fucking yep. Like, (laughs) exactly. Popcorn thought. Um, Yeah, this whole transgender agenda movement thing has really shown me what true evil is and it just really brings out the unnecessary evil within humans. Um... Yep, that's all my popcorn thought is there. So I'm going to talk about, when, after my uh, water, um, trans-identifying males in prisons uh, violence statistics because I think people <laughs> people have this fucking idea that, oh, but they, you know, we should respect their feels of they're a woman. You know, if they feel like they're a woman, they should be in the prison with females. Fuck, ugh, fuck. that shit makes me, mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay, um, this is from, give me a second, uh, it'll be, anyways, it'll be in my, uh, Patreon. 99.1% of the inmates convicted for sexual offenses are male, and 95% of the violence against the person are male. Uh, these are statistics from the UK prison system, by the way. Still applicable, um. Male prisons which imprison male inmates with male pattern violent offending are by definition full of violent males. Adoy. I'm not mocking them, but that's just, yeah. Francis Crook of the Howard League for Penal Reform, one of UK's leading authorities on the UK prison system, also stated, quote, I've not heard of trans men being sent to men's, you know, male prisons. They simply would not be safe. 
Again, trans men is trans identifying females, females pretending to be men. <laughs> they simply would not be safe. You don't say. Oh, I wonder why that is. Hmm. 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 I don't know. Hmm. The absence of such a eventuality reaching the headlines speaks to both the blinding stupidity of placing trans men in male prisons, but also to the fact that only one in every 20 inmates is biologically female. Uh, let me read that again. Okay, anyways, yeah. Uh, most trans women, I hate saying, I should have, I, I try to correct these uh, articles and stuff because I don't like saying trans women or trans men, I just say trans identifying uh, anyways, most trans-identifying males retain male genitalia. Another surprise of the gender recognition debate was including the specific anatomy whose unique an anatomical function is to is subject to specific legislation, WRT penetration, without consent, a.k.a. rape. Obviously, if someone keeps their freaking penis, they're going to be a little bit rapey. I mean, they still have their penis intact. What the hell? Uh, one of the past laws that if you want to pretend to be a woman, you, you have to chop your dick and balls off because what the hell? Hello? Uh, commit, motherfucker. Why are you committing? Fake. Fake news. Anyways. The 2011 Transgender Discrimination Survey tends to confirm this, stating that 33% of transgender people had surgically transitioned, and the other 67%, the majority of trans-identifying men, retain male genitalia. BBC R4 reality check finding is says that trans identifying men share male pattern sexually offending characteristics of biological males and nowhere near that of females. You don't say no. What? A long-term follow-up Swedish study, 2011, of transsexuals after sex reassignment surgery su suggests that trans women, you know, uh, God, I did it again. Well, Anyways, trans-identifying males, you know, males with that, males, I'm sorry, excuse me, male without, oh, holy crap, let me just start this over, it's a lot of, I have trouble reading this because it's a lot of, like, same um, letters, I don't know, transsexuals after sex reassignment surgery suggests that trans-identifying men without male genitalia after sex reassignment surgery, had the same pattern of criminality as the biologically male control. So even when they chop off their dick and balls, they have the same criminal patterns as ones that have them. <laughs> uh, while trans-identifying women have a slightly elevated incidence of offending, but only when compared to the far lower female pattern offending to their uh, other biological females, and one can imagine additional testosterone might be implied. So, uh, women that want to be males, um, you know, transgender men, which I don't call it that, but trans-identifying women take testosterone and testosterone has literal side effects of aggression. So I'm like, duh. So if there's going to be a, uh, elevated violence, uh, it's obvious it's from testosterone. Um, and also just anyways, let's see. Oh, I don't, I don't want to get into that just because it's... Actually, I will. I'll just say it really quickly. Your daily dose of trans cult fuckery. There's this whole article this trans-identifying male wrote, and the title is My Auntie Buffalo Bill, The Unavoidable Transmisogyny of... Oh God, I can't. The Unavoidable Transmisogyny of Sounds of the Lambs. Oh, my God. 
Can you just get over the fact that there's a term called transmisogyny, which is a fucking man pretending to be a female and then calling that misogyny? But do you know what I'm like? What? How 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 insulting and absolutely absurd? Um, just like the where, who do you think you are? Like that's that's that is literally laughable. That is clown world. And what is misogyny? Hatred of hatred or mistrust of women. Hatred of women. Um, like get the fuck out of here. Trans misogyny. Like. I feel like men that have, you know, here's what I was saying about the other day. Men that have like very comfortable, cushy lives or don't have a lot of drama going on. Um, and, and in turn, you know, drama, you know, if you're a problem child, you will become the attention, center of attention in the family, like number one, because you were such a, a handful. And this is, I firmly de- believe to be a thing with males that have like boring lives and don't have attention will identify as a female or turn try to do the female thing and then make up this bullshit about oh my god i can't believe they were being trans misogynistic towards me you know and they're like oh i'm so offended and trying to act like a fucking female that's actually offended about real misogyny because they're just like i want drama let me be a do you know where i'm going like this is so offensive on so many levels i don't need to go in with that just (laughs) i'm mad as hell i'm not gonna take it anymore step out of it Deep thoughts by me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the more I do research into my transgender, uh, my, into the transgender ideology, just the darker it gets. And the more I put my, the more I put their thoughts into my own head, the scarier and honestly, the more demonic it gets um, and goes. Their minds are so warped, twisted, lost, angry, bitter, lust-filled. Uh, the only escape in all those sins and awfulness is self-destruction and self and destruction of your surroundings um i'm just finding it increasingly hard to keep researching um especially the topics of trans-identifying males because it's like peering into a journal written by satan himself um you know i'm a very spiritual person like there's no way this kind of ideology won't affect me because it has um i get really mentally drained and i have to stop reading at a you know, my research occasionally, because it's just, it's just honestly so much to take in. You know, there's new articles and laws and shit being passed all the time. You know, every day, it's just something new. You know, the levels at which they, the levels that they reach, um, in which for them to stay relevant, and to bring up issues about oppression or trans misogyny, which is fucking, and phobias, whatever, it's just nonstop, and it, it never ends. Um, you know, I think the more you push back, the more aggressive and absurd they will get. Um, which I kind of almost encourage because it reveals how fucked their movement is and how just it's not going to last. Um, yeah. So, yeah, when, when you are when you're encouraged and blessed and praised for being a victim, it only feeds into the victimhood mentality and it only keeps that person growing into self-victimization and they identify with that more and they keep feeding that beast because they're they're receiving a form of praise, but it's praise done with the root of fear. People, they're like, yes, bitch, work, you look amazing. They're lying to themselves. Um, meaning, that, you know, that praise is forcefully done in the lingering stench of the terror that remains as the root that settles in you. Like, if I don't tell them congrats or anything, then... You're going to be called a fucking bigot or transphobe, turf, whatever, or cast out of community. 
Um, yeah. You know, people have this huge fear of being called those things and not being accepted by, I don't know, this fake, happy group, which is, God. You know, the transgender community, for the most part, from what I've seen, uh, the loudest ones are unforgiving, relentless, violent, hateful, and knighting one another for another victimization, or, yeah, another victimization of being recognized for the day. Um, and all of this is so very public. This isn't a movement that sits with, like, subtlety. They, they're not subtle at all. It's loud, vicious, and all-consuming. Um, yeah, it, there's just this interesting hobby these folks gravitate towards, and it's typically towards magic and the dark arts. Like, it just all so dark. There's just so many awful things with it. Really disrespectful and very, very selfish, extremely narcissistic. Um, let's see here. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to skip on that just because... Well, I will say it really quickly. There's uh, in New York City, um, it's uh, gender identity, gender expression, legal enforcement guidance of the New York City Commission on Human Rights Legal, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's, a, it's a law. And they define like all the, you know, gender identity and expression stuff. They say, they say, this is passed in law. Gender identity is the primary determinant of a person's sex. We're fucked. Like, which basically, it means that I feel like I'm a female, then you, that's your sex. Remember, identity is like how you express yourself and how you feel. I mean, gender identity. Sex is your biology and your actual sex. And to say that I feel like a woman, I, and, I, and to say that, that your, your thought on just thinking that is like actual, you are that, is a fucking joke. This is scary shit. Um... Oh, God. Yeah, this is... Oh, God. This is informative. I don't want to leave it out. So this is a... It may sound like it's off topic, but it was very telling on predatory behavior. And I know this goes on in the transgender communities. It's about furries. Um, uh, from a username, Lucretia on com. Quote, um... Uh, let's see. The issue is more that people who aren't well-adjusted socially can be really dangerous, especially men. And younger people especially are vulnerable to emotional manipulation from the dangerous ones because they haven't seen it before. Those kinds of online cultures are a double-edged sword. People who struggle with in-real-life social interactions can make friends. Everyone can talk, talk openly about experiences. And there's pushback against prejudice. On the flip side, creepy, dangerous people exploit that dynamic and they don't think and they don't have to think of themselves as dangerous or explo exploitative to behave in a way that is. So not all of them are like, today I'll prey on children as a conscious thing, but they will do it anyway. And then you have explicit but harmless teen subcultures running in parallel with very exploitative adult men's as ones. And people don't realize they're using the same words with, with different associations. So then teens think adults are overreacting. So the stigma can be slightly misdirected while, while the underlying reason for it is real. This was so insightful and horrifying. Um, so with something like furries, you might get the man who tells sob stories about how nobody will accept him wearing his collar to the office, even though it helps him with his anxiety. And you can't always depend on teens to think, quote, wait, why is this guy pouring out his innermost insecurities to me, let alone fuck off, mate? 
And sometimes you'll get a situation where most of the kids are savvy enough to think fuck off, but someone a bit more naive sees their mocking comments, thinks they're being needlessly mean, and makes an extra effort to welcome the predator, sending encouraging messages, etc. The creeps present themselves as gentle and vulnerable people who need taken care of. And I think some of them believe it, not that it makes a difference. And this is why organizations pushing unconditional acceptance are so irresponsible. Because they play into these men's narratives of being victimized and encourage kids to give creeps a chance. I think kids can protect... I'm sorry. I think kids can be protected from a lot of online dangers by educating them about how men manipulate women. Teaching them about boundaries. Encouraging them to keep their personal information private and making sure that they have a realistic picture of the world to counteract any romanticized version. So, personally, I'd be very wary of whomever is telling her about the awful discrimination that furries face. And this goes, I mean, this is right in line with transgenderism. Every girl needs to know that any man who gives long tales of his sorrows is a massive red flag. Ugh, over it's such a wonderful community. Um, it's female only and invite only. If you're a female and you'd like to be on over it and you'd like an invite, please uh, um, email me, uh, distortedlens at gmail.com. All right. So that is coming to an end now of this podcast. Um, please consider donating to my podcast fund. Uh, there's, a direct pay- there's a direct PayPal link in my show notes and on my website. You can also become a patron on my Patreon to support my work. Um because uh, I'm there's also uh, so to I'm going to start interviewing people that are also feminists and journalists and whatnot uh, next week and that is not free to use the program to record the video and audio to put up on YouTube and whatnot so your donations d- literally de- directly impact my podcast and I greatly appreciate anything you can provide um, you know head over to my Patreon you can support me there or through the, the uh, PayPal link on my website. Um, I'm just thrilled to bring you all the truth, but I'm also taking all the time out of my day to do this extensive, uh, truly grueling research. So I'd really appreciate anything you can, you can anything you can spare. <laughs> um, yeah, don't forget to rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Question everything. Curiosity will save humanity, and stay strong, ladies. Um, there are going to be days where you feel really defeated and. You're going to, you know, cry your eyes out and your back hurts and your stomach hurts. And it's just really a lot of sorrow, but that's just one day. And then you get to go to bed and the next day is a new day. So it's not going to be easy. It's not always fun, but it's really important. And this is a fight that I'm ready for. Let's go. I'm already in it. Let's go. All right, guys. Check you later. Namaste. Give it up on me.